Emma. And I am Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of. It's the podcast where two best friends, us, finally hold each other accountable for all those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. This week, it is my turn, and we are going to be finally introducing, not introducing, showing Emma the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But before we get into all that and more, uh, we are going to do our spotlight swap, which we yeah. uh, which is where... The person who's not picking, I don't know why I'm explaining this today, we never usually explain it, where the person who's not picking the topic of the week uh, gets to do a little spotlight on something else. Jenny, you could open that link that I sent you now, because mine, if you follow us on Tumblr at hihopodcast.tumblr.com, I'll be reblogging this GIF set, which is the only thing that I can think about right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's Dean Winchester. And I think even more importantly is that I actually... Send Jenny the wrong Dean Winchester gif set because that is how much Gene Win- Dean Winchester content I just have saved on my phone right now. Um, and he's a special boy, and it is just him being the best because he is, and I love him. And one of them, I, okay, and what is exciting to me about this is that I've been, I started mm-hmm. watching Supernatural at the age of 12. I don't, I think yes. I did tell you this, Jenny, but I can't remember. I started watching Supernatural at the age of 12, and it also represents the like one rebellious moment of my life yes <laughs> because i was not allowed to watch supernatural and i was also not allowed to go out for lunch in middle school even though most people in my class were and i would i didn't even skip school but i would sneak out on my lunch break to go to my friend's house where she would have taped on vhs that week supernatural and we would watch it oh, together yeah which gives you an indication of how gosh darn long supernatural has been on if I was 12 so and watching it on VHS. Yeah. Um, anyways, and I love Supernatural very dearly. So I watched it through middle school, uh, dipped off in high school because I was able to watch the first season at my friend's house, second season because my sister had an evening class because my parents would go out to pick her up. And it was always, it was, oh my God, the exact same time the new episodes of Supernatural were on. So it was like a whole thing. Ooh. Um, anyways, and then dropped off. And then university, I started watching. I managed to get caught up all the way to season 10. Lord. Oh my <laughs> um, gosh. And then it broke me. Like, my mind just couldn't take it anymore because anyone who's ever watched Supernatural will tell you that it's an incredible show that has many, many, many flaws. Um, And then the final season, season 15, this show started before Taylor Swift had ever released professionally a piece of music. That's how old the show is. Um, Anyways, and so the final season started last fall, and I thought, oh my god, it's finally ending. I should watch the last season. Then I was like, well, I don't know what's going on. I haven't watched it in five years. I don't know what's going on. Um, So then I never did. And then in March, they hadn't finished filming the season, so they weren't able to air the finale. And they just sort of, so they actually just finished filming like a week and a half ago. And then it was on Labor Day. I had like been cleaning all weekend. My apartment was beautiful. And I was like, now I need to rest. I want to watch something. It's fall. September, I want to watch something a little spooky. I was like, I know what it's time for. It's time to watch the first episode of Supernatural. It is now, at the time of recording, uh, 12 days later, and I'm on season 4, episode 6, episode 7. So I've watched, like, over 50 episodes of television in the past week and a half. Um, It has been all Supernatural all the time. Were it not TIFF, I would have watched even more, but I did have tickets to TIFF 
virtual screenings. Anyways, mm. this is such a long explanation. If you haven't ever watched Supernatural in your life, I don't recommend that you start. If you <laughs> did watch Supernatural and you stopped, I do recommend that you resume watching because it's so good. And Jenny has asked me, Emma, when does it get bad? And I was like, well, you can stop watching after season five because that's when like the whole original planned arc was. And you can like cut yourself off there. Yeah. I'm, I, God, I'm like, I can stop whatenever I want to. It's fine. <laughs> You have an addiction. I don't. It's fine. Anyways, but, like, really, it is a test of endurance of, like, how much of their bad storytelling and bad use of language and bad use of marginalized characters and just, like, Mm. how much you can handle. But the light at the end of all of that is Dean Winchester. Mm-hmm. I was always a Sam girl growing up because I'm the yes. younger sibling and I do love Sam. Like I used to rewatch, I rewatched Heart, which is like a big emotional Sam episode from season two. I rewatched Heart oh. so many times and I loved Sam and now I'm watching it and like, I always enjoyed Dean because Dean is like a fandom fave because obviously Dean and Castiel are in love. Hong Kong, my clown nose is on. Um, Patch Adams, who? Emma's here now. Um, but this time I'm watching it and it's just incredible to watch. I'm talking about this for so long. I, it's just incredible to watch because the reason I sent Jenny this GIF set is like, and I will post on the Twitter and on the Tumblr, it's just like, I, I've only read two good Supernatural fanfics in my life, but I've read a lot of fan content for Supernatural. Mm -hmm. And I kind of always assumed like all this emotional depth, all of this sincerity and sensitivity and like emotional not intelligence he's very like emotionally stunted but he has a lot of emotions it's just like a lot yeah. going on in his beautiful brain <laughs> and i thought that was all fandom created i thought we made that up i thought we filled in the gaps for supernatural's terrible writers mm-hmm. but it's actually like jensen ackles is a really good actor and it's like it is shocking from season one when this show was still being marketed towards teenage boys because they didn't know who was watching their show yet when you're in season one dean is like the most performative masculine character on television ever and then whenever Mm. a demon is like i know what's going on inside your head i know your deep secrets his deep secrets are always like i wish i could take better care of my brother i really want to get married one day and have a family and be free of hunting i just want to hold a hand and also like anyways he's just like he just wants to get married and have a family and take care of and give his kids the life that he never had growing up and he just loves his mom and he's a terrible father and a terrible relationship with his father and he defends his father so much and you can just like see him trying anyways i just love dean winchester and then i saw this gif set and what made me really excited is that these gifs are all from like the past five seasons so i was like this looks like some quality dean content that i don't know and nothing has made me want to continue watching supernatural more than this gif set ever has there's one of him driving a car look at that one right now jenny he's so beautiful He's so beautiful. Scroll down. He's driving a car. That is Dean Winchester. That is just him. He's so oh, beautiful. Like, like going backwards. He's like doing like, the spinny yeah. thing where you're trying to turn and he's like confident. He's protecting someone. He's just, that's Dean. That's Dean's essence. And I love him. And he's just a goofball. And uh, Jared Padalecki has a really good crying face. He's a really good ugly crier. I'll give him that. Jensen Ackles is such a goofball. Like, his, I, he's just, like, got a way better sense of comedic timing than I remembered. And it's so funny because, like, again, so much of this dialogue is terrible. I've been talking about this for, like, ten minutes. I love him. Jenny, don't watch Supernatural. Do just look at that GIF set. So when you're like, why is Emma so obsessed with this fictional <laughs> man? Yeah. That's why. 
when you first were like, I'm going to send you something on Tumblr, did you see it already? Because we follow each other on Tumblr, obviously. Um, and I was like, probably not. Like, my stuff is pretty bogged down by other things. And But I actually did see this just set before. And I remember watching it or looking at it and thinking, oh, this is kind of endearing. I can't, like, this seems interesting. I know I could never be able to watch it. It's um, so gross. I spend so much of my yeah. time watching it just saying, yuck. <laughs> Being like, no, this is not good. Um, but I'm so glad you're getting back into watching something that, like, when you when you experience watching something when you're younger and you go back to it, it's comfort, right? And it it's is. exciting again. I watch a lot of prestige television. I got Crave and HBO, so I've been watching a lot of Succession and The Leftovers mm. and Watchmen and Lovecraft County. Actually, Lovecraft County is so fun to watch. I don't know who I'm kidding, but, like... <laughs> Well, uh, I've been watching, like, a lot of Succession and The Leftovers especially, I think, are the main examples of, like, this is good television, this is impeccably acted, the writing is so incredibly sharp and emotional. Mm. It, they are not fun shows to watch. They are shows you watch because you appreciate the craft that went to making them. They're yeah, not yeah, yeah. fun. They're mis- it's a miserable <laughs> experience to watch these programs. And then I was talking to my sister who was like, I'm watching Murder, She Wrote. It's so fun. I love Jessica Fletcher's sweaters. And I was like... Oh, yeah, I forgot TV watching could be, like, an entertainment. <laughs> Anyways, oh, yeah. so I've been watching Supernatural, and I am not slowing down. My roommate came into the living room at the exact moment they introduced Castiel for the first time, and he says some truly iconic dialogue that I'll send Jenny so she can drop in here, maybe. Who are you? I'm the one who gripped you tight and raised you from perdition. And then as she talked over it, and I was like... Internally, I was like, Emma, stay calm. You've seen this scene before. You can rewind it. But I was also like, I've just watched three seasons of television to get to this moment. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, speaking of things that are fun to watch. <laughs> yes. Great transition, Anna. Transition time to Ferris Bueller's Day mm. Off, the cult classic from, I think, 1986? Yeah, 1986. Um, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the epitome of youth and freedom and... John Hughes. Um, yeah, America, like, everything combined together is just all wrapped into one. I, I watched this movie on VHS. It was great. I feel like that's the best way to watch this film. You gotta watch it with a little bit of, like, a blurry screen, kind of, kind of not, but... I know. You texted me your picture of your VHS, and I was like, I want to be watching this on VHS. I want to watch this on Netflix on my laptop. It's not the same. It's the best thing when you, like, pause it, and, like, the audio goes out first, and then it, like, slowly slows down, You and then you play, and then the audio doesn't start soon, so you, like, miss a couple cents. you got to rewind it's it again. It's fun. It's all good. Um, so, Ferris Bueller, I seen this show a lot of times um it was always on tv i've only gotten the vhs maybe like seven years ago when i was going through my phase of collecting vhs's uh, but i, I would mean you always... do watch them they're not just for aesthetic purposes exactly i mean aesthetic is like a big part of it but i also do watch them and this movie as if you've watched i think it was a couple episodes ago what it shocked me to my core that you've never seen ferris bueller's day off yeah, so I I mean I exist on the internet. I know about Ferris Bueller. I know like some of the iconic lines. I know that his friend wears a Detroit jersey. Um 
But I think it speaks to my knowledge about Ferris Bueller that up until, like, a couple weeks ago, I didn't know what his friend's name was. Um, I was just like, hey, it's that guy who's also in Succession and Speed. Alan Ruck, thank you Mm. for your service. Um, Yeah, so i just never seen Ferris Bueller. I'd seen other John Hughes movies. I feel like I've seen clips of Ferris Bueller. I bought it on DVD at a garage sale when I was in grade, I want to say, 11 or 12, with the intention Mm. of watching it, because I was like, I've never seen Ferris Bueller. But I've never been in the mood to watch Ferris Bueller. Ah. So, like, I'd heard of it, but I'd just never seen it. Because I was like, I know. I know it exists. Isn't that enough? It wasn't, actually. This movie's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, I definitely understand that feeling of needing to be into the, in the mood to actually, like, watch a film like this. I get the same, like, if I want to watch, like, Footloose or if I want to watch, like, Dirty Dancing. Like, those types of era films. Like, I need to be, like, I just want something, like, comforting and something that the video quality is like not a hundred percent of what I'm used to and the soundtracks are amazing and it's usually based off of the characters not necessarily the plot which I really like about these types of films that like it's very character focused and this is a John Hughes movie which is the 80s pretty much like Um. if you think of his movies it's 16 Candles, Home Alone, Breakfast Club, um, Pretty in Pink, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Molly Ringwald wrote a really good essay a couple Mm. years ago about looking back on her John Hughes movies, because she was in so many of them, and she's like, I think John Hughes was a great person, and he did so much for me. Um, But Molly Ringwald wrote a really good essay talking kind of about, like, looking at his movies from fresh eyes today, and, like, like, being critical of the parts of them that haven't aged well and that make her uncomfortable, but still uh, being able to reconcile it with, like, the fact that these movies mean a lot to many, many, many people. It's very interesting. Mm. I would recommend. Yeah, it's always interesting to see films and, like, see them in, like, a different light of, like, the 2020 light of how, um, like, social structures or certain vocabularies that people use and, um, how things don't always age very well at all. Um, (laughs) How things you like, this shouldn't have aged well then. (laughs) No, well, exactly, exactly. Um... And I think, I try to think of, like, the types of, like, this is, like, teen films, and there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of, like, teen comedies, necessarily, that aren't, like, things that are just, like, in my opinion, just, like, gross, (laughs) or, like, not funny, like, uh, what would be, like, what's an example of a more modern teen movie? Like, Superbad or something like that? Like, yeah, I feel like we are missing, in the way that... (laughs) young adult fiction novels have skyrocketed like young adult as a genre didn't really exist in the 90s or 80s it was like very like pulp fictiony um but in the way that like ya as a book genre has skyrocketed uh teen movies as a film genre i feel like have really gone down because i like i think about the way that people teens today i'm so tapped into teen culture uh, <laughs> teens today like do still go back to things like she's all that and 10 things i hate mm. about you um yeah and others every other teen movie has just left my brain clueless like those that you're like oh those are the iconic ones um and then like i think people think of like mean girls and even easy yay a lot of that but i feel like movies like that don't really exist like you get things like super bad that are like hard r like, the raunchy mm. teen sex comedy, which is a different kind of thing. Or yeah. you have things even like uh, Booksmart, which was pitched as 
a, a super bad with girls. It's not. <laughs> um, oh. But even that was like, it's great. Highly recommend. But even that, it's like, it's a, they're classified in like coming of age films are very now like indie movie. So you have yes. things like uh, the age of 17 and stuff, or the edge of 17 and stuff like that. So you get like coming of age stories that are indie movies, but you don't get those like mid level, moderate budget, up and coming stars. Like you don't get just like a mid level teen movie anymore like ferris bueller yeah that make sense? yeah like there are some like netflix originals that i've seen that are kind of like those types of films but i see what you mean by like that genre film if it is exist out there right now it's usually like an adaptation of teen fiction like a novel already right so yeah, there's not a lot of then, originals and because like teen fiction has changed like i think even like even though i love i love a lot of the netflix original teen movies because they are feeling like that like need that and the desire that i have are still different than theatrically releasing something not to discredit netflix as a distributor i think people who are anti-netflix as like creating new content whatever i'm not going to get into Mm. that right now but um yeah like things are often adaptations or like i saw the other day that they're actually planning on rebooting or remaking she's all that and i was like we don't need a remake of she's all that Mm. i love she's all that Please yeah. just make a new teen movie. I don't even care that it stars a TikTok star. That part's fine. Just make it a new story. Yeah, or, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, She's all that as an adaptation of Pygmalion. Pick a different piece of classic literature to adapt in a fun and funky, teen, fresh, cool way. Yeah, exactly. And I was watching some behind-the-scenes stuff of the making of Ferris Bueller, and they were saying, like, they really enjoyed, like, these types of films because it... And even celebrities were mentioning saying that they feel like they're being heard in a society, especially in the 80s, when, like, kids, it was a mixture between, like, you have all your freedom or whatever, but also, like, not being treated like anything at the same time. Um, Children's rights weren't as established during this, like, time period. And having characters that, like, like, in The Breakfast Club, like, them going through their emotions and like their words in the quiet moments and seeing how complex they are and trying to develop what their youth is. I've been really into like the concept of youth recently (laughs) of just like youth doesn't necessarily mean just like your teen years. Like youth for me would be like 16 to like, like until you're 30 pretty much like that type of like youth of finding your place in this world. And also these films when they're like at the end of high school and trying to figure out who they are and there's a line of like oh what are you interested in and Cameron's like I have nothing like it's this weird combination of excitement but nervousness and just trying to see how you belong in the society it's it's fun to watch (laughs) I am also very into coming of age stories right now but one thing (laughs) This will come as a surprise because I just talked for 10 minutes about how I still watch Supernatural in 2020. <laughs> I also watched the CW's Roswell, New Mexico, uh, which is oh, a Roswell yes, reboot. Yes, Never yes. watched original Roswell. And one, on some level, I think it's fascinating because the the new character of Michael Guerin is what Dean Winchester would have been had bisexual characters been allowed to exist on network television in 20 or 2005. Mm. But without getting into that, one thing I find really compelling about Roswell and it chapter two is that it's, <laughs> you're gonna slide that one in there is that they are characters i mean more so in roswell because the characters are our age they're in their late mid to late 20s um yes. these characters are people who like I, 
teenagers deserve coming of age stories because like you're saying like when you're going making that transition from high school to university it is so wild and so intense and yeah. like trial by fire and like you change oh, yeah. so much in that first year and then you just keep changing and it takes like mm-hmm. i mean it's funny actually now like now that i've been also out of university for five years it's like I feel like there were traits I exhibited in my first year of university that were, like, extremely embarrassing and that I got rid of. And now I'm like, oh, wait, no, that was just who I am. I am going to continue doing that. Um, but I really enjoy coming with stories of just, like, the concept of youth. And it's, okay, Roswell, it are both stories that are focused on adult characters uh, who haven't successfully made that transition in the way that they wanted mm. to from teendom to adulthood. And it's about them being, like, just because I am now an adult doesn't mean I'm not still allowed to change and grow. So I find that really compelling oh, yeah. in Roswell when they're my age and like desperately trying to figure out like, okay, my <laughs> life isn't where I want it to be. My life isn't what I expected it to be. Yeah. And then in it, even further, it gives me great hope because I'm like, these characters are all 40 and useless, but they're figuring <laughs> it out. Um, but I've just, I am really into teen comedies because it makes me feel much gentler towards my teenage self where I'm like Mm. it's okay that you weren't as cool as Ferris Bueller no teen is as cool as Ferris Bueller is no and Ferris Bueller isn't even as cool as he Ferris Bueller thinks he is no (laughs) no Um, Um, but it makes me feel a great deal of affection towards my teenage self and just towards teenagers in general to watch watch coming of age movies where I'm just like you're allowed to figure it out you just little you are still so 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 young and it feels weird because right? you don't feel young. You feel very grown up. And then suddenly you look back and you're like, oh, I was a child. <laughs> I was an infant. And I, but the thing is, when you're that age, your emotions are still valid. And like, even though things seem big, they are big to you, which means they matter. Exactly. Like, Ferris loves Sloan so much. I and know. it's absolutely not going to last past high school, especially when I realized she's still in grade 11. I was like, this is lasting yes. maybe like another month and a half. But yeah. they love each other very much in this moment, and I think that is so deserved and valid. Yeah. It's interesting because um, when Ferris is having his class, like, breaking the fourth wall near the end, when he's talking about, like, yeah, like, I'm going to graduate soon, and then he's talking about Cameron saying, yeah, like, we're going to go to probably different schools, and they're like, that's that. And, like, he's so tuned in to, like, how high school is not a constant he just wants to graduate. Like, he doesn't care if he does good. He doesn't care if the dean likes him. He just wants to graduate. And he's like, this is not... This doesn't matter. It's weird because... Exactly. It's weird because, like, on one side, he's like, it doesn't matter. Like, keep going. But on the other hand, he's like, you gotta live every day. I know. Right? Like, I'm, like, he's like, I'm like, I, I, I know. It's good of, like, Ferris is aware much more than I think most teenagers are of, like, how much high school doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but does matter in the moment. Yeah. So I'm like, Ferris, you do still need to go to school. But then I'm like, I mean... I wish I'd skip school in high school. I didn't, Mom, if you're listening. I actually did never skip high didn't. school because I was so scared of what would happen if you found out. Um, Dude, me and you were like, we would never, like, break rules like that. There was a senior <laughs> skip day. I was one of two <laughs> two people in my graduating <laughs> class who still went to school. It was so terrible. Yeah, I was we the had... one in classes. My teachers were like, why are you here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. We had a grad sleepover, so we all slept over at the school, and then we had school the next day, and I was one of the only people that stayed the entire school day after, and my physics teacher was, like, near the end of the day, he's like, Jenny, 
go home. <laughs> I was like, no, but I, he's like, you look ill. Because, <laughs> like, you didn't sleep, and you're just trying to make it through. I was like, I don't want to skip. I know. I'm like, I could have I done a little bit more pushback, but I didn't. Anyways, <laughs> but the point is, Ferris Bueller, yeah. Fuck yeah, skip school one day. Okay, yeah. I feel like we don't need to talk about the plot, because the plot is just, like, very vignette and I feel like I am the last person on Earth who hadn't seen Ferris Bueller. I'll, I'll quickly just say, okay, the plot of Ferris Bueller's Day Off is that Ferris, sick, like, pretends to be sick and takes the day off school, and then he goes and gets his friend Cameron, who is also off sick, but is actually off, like, sick, sick. and then, <laughs> um, then he gets his girlfriend Sloane out of school, and then they go on at a fabulous trip around Chicago, and as this is happening, um, the dean of students, um, is trying to find him because, um, his name is Eddie Rooney, Ed Rooney, and he's trying to get him busted, so he has to stay behind, and also his sister, um, Jeannie is trying to bust him as well because he gets away with everything, so as that's happening, he and the three are going around adventuring in Chicago, and yes, that's pretty much the plot of the movie. <laughs> okay, I feel like I'm gonna... Wait, do you want to leave this discussion? I was just about to commandeer the whole situation. Well, no, tell me what you thought about the film. I still don't know what your thoughts are, because we were talking yesterday just as friends, and you're like, let's not talk about it right now. <laughs> I was like, okay. I have to save my thoughts. Um, <laughs> fun fact, no, not fun fact, very unfun fact, the actor who plays Mr. Oh. Rooney, uh, is a pedophile um which was really distressing for me to see and i was like yikes okay i found that out when i was researching yesterday i was like um yeah so that's distressing um but also okay so i used to work in elementary school and part of my job was to look at the list of absentees um and like Mm. who hadn't been excused and call their parents every day and obviously it was like elementary school so it was more like we need to know what this child is accounted for yes um And the dean made me wonder if I should have taken that job more seriously, and then me realizing, no, he takes his job way too seriously. <laughs> I was like, should I have been more intense about tracking down kids? Because, like, I would usually, I would call. If I didn't get a parent, I would leave a voicemail. I would try this, like, second contact number. Yes. Um, and then I would usually, like, follow up with them again midday. Like, depending, like, you can usually kind of tell, like, it would be like, oh, like, they were out yesterday sick, so they're out again today mm. and didn't call. I can assume they're sick. Blah, 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 blah. Anyways, I was just like, should I be more intense about that? <laughs> no. Um, I, throughout this entire film, I'm like, so much of these young adults' lives could be better if these teachers were actually good at their job. Was my thought throughout most of the film. I, we can get into Ben Stein in a minute, but I was like, Mr. Rooney, surely your efforts can be better placed somewhere else. He needs a different career. He is That's not, what he needs. He needs. He's a fucking power tripper. He's not a good person. Yeah. Do love Grace, his assistant slash the school secretary. She love rocks. her. She is the best thing ever. Um, she's got her finger on the pulse of that school. Yes, I love her so much, especially when they're like panicking when. Ferris and Cameron do, like, the prank on the phone to try to get him out, and she's, like, running around, has to pretend that he is <laughs> Rooney to, oh, uh, uh. Like, I love her so much. I don't know why, but I see myself in her. Uh, also, it's like, the freshmen think he's great. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> she's just so cool. I love her. Yeah, he is 
crazy and needs to find a different career, a different hobby. <sighs> I know. So I was like, I feel like I need to get so the bad. Mr. Rudy talk out of the way. Cause like, also I have now watched this film. I did watch all of his scenes at two times speed with the subtitles on. Cause I was like, I don't want to watch this. This is too stressful. It's just watching an <laughs> adult man humiliate himself because he's bad at his job and he's a bad person. Yeah, when this actor got the role, like, he accepted the role, even though people were like, are you sure? Because, like, there's not a lot of lines in for him. Like, a lot of it is physical comedy. But they're like, no, I'm going to take it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot of, like, him being a fool. The best scene of him is when he gets kicked in the face by Jeannie. I love Jeannie. And I feel like this is a good segue into what is my main thought about Ferris Bueller. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to organize my thoughts. I took notes, but, like, not in any order. It was more just, like, a mm. word cloud. <laughs> yes, that's fine. I love Jeannie Bueller so much. Yeah. I think Jeannie Bueller, A, Jeannie Bueller is me. That's why I love Jeannie Bueller. <laughs> um, but also, Jeannie Bueller and every other teenager in this movie, none of them are straight. Jeannie's a lesbian. <laughs> Jeannie's a lesbian. And she will realize this in university and have a very good time. <laughs> yes, I know oh, Jeannie kisses Charlie Sheen at the police station. Jeannie Bueller is like a Paris Geller from Gilmore Girls. Oh, Gilmore Girls yes. Movie. Yes, good reference. Yes, but like, she's 100%. that. She's like the overachieving, like, I have to do everything perfectly. And, like, I just, like, everyone finds her so off-putting. I just want to give her a, 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 a distanced hug and just, like, a, you're, you're, gonna, you're doing fine, Jeannie. Well, it's so interesting because I, I didn't realize until, like, I watched it this time that, like, they're twins. Okay, that's the other thing. I had, I had that on my notes, too. I was like, are they twins? Because, like, she gives off very strong older sibling energy because she does yeah. have the car. But then I was like, he's in high school, she's in high school, he's graduating, they're twins, and suddenly... Unless, like, he... Because unless Ferris Bueller's so good with getting away with shit and, like, skipped a grade or something... God. I feel like if Jeannie would have died if that happened. Jeannie would have died from pure physical rage. She would have just become a cloud of anger floating above Chicago, above the Sears Tower. If you look closely on a cloudy day, you can still see her. It, they have such good representation of sibling relationships. Like, not the ones that we have with our siblings, because we have such good relationships with our sisters. <laughs> but, like, it's interesting because both of them, you can see that, like, clearly Ferris Bueller gets away with anything. He is the favorite, all these things. But that she has a car. So he's, like, he probably thinks that she is, like, the favorite or, like, gets away with shit. And... Ferris is definitely the younger twin, but they are definitely twins. Yes, yes. And she just gets so fed up, and she's like, I am going to get this man. Like, how dare he? I. This is the final star. And, like, the very end when she's, like, chasing, trying to, like, drive home, and the police are chasing him, and she just screams. She's like, I don't care. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I can't <laughs> drive with you yelling at me. I love Jean. I love, I miss, I miss Jennifer Grey. I know she's still alive. I just miss her. I haven't seen her in anything in a while. <laughs> Uh, yeah, parents, like, don't favorite your kids. This don't so obviously so favorite your kids. <laughs> yeah, like, did you see, like, when they get back, and like, what are we going to do with Jeannie? She's like, I don't know, let's shoot her. I was like, oh my god. Okay, what also, I was, like, so mad, because I was like, e so, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> my <priest. laughs> Um, like, the most sibling thing is, Jeannie 
is so, so angry at Ferris, and then she sees Rooney try to smite him, and she's just like, oh no, that's not how no. this works. I'm the no. only one who can ruin my brother. <laughs> I'm the only one yes. who can destroy his world. Um, <laughs> and it's just so good. But I also want her to be like, okay, I'll meet you upstairs. You need to tell mom and dad that I came home at lunchtime to check on you and that someone broke into the house. Because I get so mad when she goes to check for proof Ferris is lying. And someone does break into her house and her parents are like, she's lying. She's a criminal. And I was like, no. Yeah. Well, even, like, the police don't believe her. I know, it like, so angry. This is bullshit. Like, why does no one believe when women are in distress? They're like, you're like, fine. She's like, no. Like, if it even just looked around, because, like, she finds Rooney's wallet, but, like, she kicks him, he's bleeding, he's, like, in their house touching stuff, he's covered in dirt. Like, if you would just look, there's freaking mud tracks all over the place. Yeah, Anyways, so yeah. I feel like, I hope that she had a very quick conversation with Ferris and was like, I have been through hell today because of you, and you do owe me this. <laughs> and then because they're siblings, he would do it. Yes. One thing, not with the plot, but, like, I saw this about relationships that happened on set. Did you know any about yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. So they got together on set, and they were in a relationship for a while. Also, the parents got together what? as well and I didn't they ended up getting part. married and having kids but then they did get divorced but they also yeah wow. so the what ferris family on? ferris bueller i did know about jennifer gray and matthew broderick i did not know about the parents yeah. i'm so sad they're divorced because are you kidding me that's the coolest origin story ever who are your parents oh they're ferris bueller's parents <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they're um the par- I just love the amount of times that Ferris runs into his dad downtown. Like, how big is Chicago? Like, come on. Chicago. How do you keep doing this? Also, I don't know why I say Chicago like Chicago. I can't I can't not say Chicago. I enjoy it. I say Chicago like Chicago because of Calamity Jane, the movie. Um, um, but that's a, that's a, that's a flaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, going way, way back to teachers. The economics teacher is, did you know how he, like, got aboard this job? No, okay, so I specifically did not look up anything about the making of this movie, because I knew there was going to be fun facts, and I was like, I want Jenny to tell me fun facts. (laughs) I don't have a lot of fun facts, but I have a couple. So this guy, apparently, when I say fun facts, I read the Wikipedia and watched some YouTube videos. That's my research. Um, And apparently, like, it took forever to get this role, and, like, he, like, the director found a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy and got him, and he, like, wasn't a professional actor at all. That He just had a boring voice. Oh, my gosh. And so the scene where he's, like, talking about economics, and he's like, anyone, 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 yes. And who? Anyone? Anyone? And just, like, he's, he's just going, going so fast. I was like, you're not giving him the yeah. chance to answer. <laughs> Supposedly, this happened on set. He was just telling the kids this, all, like, while they weren't filming. Why does Ben Stein know so much about economics? <laughs> Because he's, like, a professional. Like, he is a businessman. So he was just talking to them, and the kids couldn't stop laughing. And then he's like, okay. And then so they filmed it, and then everyone was cheering. And he thought they were cheering because they've learned something. But no, they were cheering because it was so entertaining and funny because his voice is so so boring to listen to. Um, In that (laughs) It reminds me, I had a math teacher in high school, had the exact same voice, pretty much. And, like, I felt so bad for him because I struggled with math and I was listening and I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, my math teacher. <laughs> we actually got him to read out 
our, um, it was him and one other teacher when we crossed the stage when we graduated, we picked him as one of the teachers to like read out our names oh. and our quotes because we we're like, it would be funny. <laughs> and was it? It was. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, okay. One of my other notes about this movie is that a lot of times I'll watch a movie. I don't think about this so much with like really big crowd scenes, but if there's scenes where like extras are given a more prominent like mm. screen time, I think a lot about I'm like, where is that person now? Because sometimes ah. like extras do go on to become like featured actors and then that becomes like a fun trivia. Did you know so and so was in the background of this movie? Oh um, yeah. and then like I when I was watching this and so you have the scene where he's you know the Bueller Bueller scene and yeah. uh, this girl whose character's name is Simone um, it's like, oh, my boyfriend's brother's girlfriend's sister's boyfriend yeah. said that he saw Ferris Bueller yeah. pass out of 31 Flavors last night. And I was just like, where is she now? Where's Simone? What's Simone up to? Because I'm like, did Simone keep acting? Simone maybe isn't like a big, she never made it big in the movies, but is she a theater actor? Is she now like a teacher? Did she retire? Does she do pottery? Is she a real estate agent? <laughs> What's Do, should we look it up? To? Does, yeah, should we, we look see? it up? I want to know what happened. Yeah, I'll so, look it up. Because then I was like, I, if I had kids, and I had been like, yeah, kids, I tried being an actor. It didn't totally work out. But you know who I am? I'm Simone and Ferris Bueller. I still feel like that's pretty successful by most act, most <laughs> attempted actor standards. My goal is to be a background actor or like a background character or something. Be in the background of a movie or a TV. I think it would be neat. Simone... Christy Swanson? Wait, that's Christy Swanson? Yeah, apparently. Fuck! I didn't even recognize- Oh my god, she's Buffy! She's the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer! What? She's Buffy in a movie, and now she's a Republican. Okay, well- Wow, I didn't even recognize Christy Swanson. Okay, well that's what happened to Simone then. Yeah, Simone Adley. Yeah. That's Christy Swanson. I didn't even recognize- Yeah, she's Buffy. Okay, well that answered that question. <laughs> so I guess that she's not telling her kids I was Simone. She's telling her kids I was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> My point stands. Yeah. But still, but still. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm, luckily, every time I watch these types of films, I'm, like, happy with the education that I had in high school. Like, I was never, like, that bored out of my mind and, like, just dying. Like, my teacher made things fun. Like, my history teacher, when we were learning about World War II, he played this Spice Girls song, um, like... If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. And then on this PowerPoint had all, like, Hitler's, like, allies pointing up on the screen. Like, he made things fun. That's memorable, I have to say. Right? My, my like, high school social studies teacher made us, not made us, we willingly listened to Rasputin by Boney M. Great time. Same. Same. Did you we also had, like, have to listen lyrics. to- Oh, you didn't. We also had to listen to Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush in English. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could have seen the room full of 15-year-olds be like- happening and i'm like i'm having an awakening right now he was my favorite my yeah my he was my history and geography teacher mr demers you are the best thing he's the best um anywho if their school was a little bit more entertaining maybe they wouldn't have to take the day off all the time because it's a beautiful day okay now let's okay so let's get into the ferris and the cameron and the sloan of it all yes yes i have Um, a fun fact for you okay sloan as played by Mia Sara, uh, Mia Sara is the first actress to ever play a live-action Harley Quinn. 
What? So Harley Quinn originated, as many people know, as an animated character on one of the Batman animated series. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but then in the early 2000s, before the superhero boom, so it only lasted for one season, which sucks because I loved it, there was a TV show called Birds of Prey about the Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Um, and Harley Quinn is the villain in it. And Mia, she's played by Mia Sara. And she's great. Whoa! She's super campy and like funny and scary and weird. Whoa. And it's it's good. Um, yeah, she was the only character, well, the main character that was cast to age, pretty much. Oh, how old like, is she? She was 18. Oh, she's so young. Yeah, most technically she's playing a year older than her character, because her character's supposed to be, like, grade 11. Apparently they wanted someone older to show, have a character that was more dignified and, like, had, like, a more power on screen, but, like, when she auditioned, she was just so she's good. Really good. Like, and, like gasped when they found out how old she was she's so funny yeah she's so funny and like charming and she doesn't even get a ton of dialogue whenever she does like it shows she is like a really thoughtful and insightful teenager who like isn't just friends with cameron because he's ferris's best friend like she does actually care about cameron Yes, yes, yes. And they're, and they're like holding hands at the parade. I'm like, dude, we need to normal normalize holding hands. I just love so holding much. hands. Right? Professor. Yeah, like I just and I I love her very sly little smile when like so Ferris is getting her out of class by faking her grandmother's death. Yeah. Um she sees the nurse coming and just puts on her jacket. And it's just like it's a very good moment where she's but then cause so before I had watch Ferris Bueller, the reason this came about is that I watched a live reading of Ferris Bueller, yes. uh, where Jeannie was played by the lead actress from Roswell, New Mexico, uh, and Sloane was played by one of the lead actresses from the Freeform series Shadowhunters, uh, Emma Rotubia, mm-hmm. who I love. Um, and Emma Rotubia is also very funny and a very good physical comedian. But then, like, just reading the scene where she gets out of class and is told her grandmother dies, I thought it was like she does actually think her grandmother's died until she sees Ferris. And then in uh. this, you just see Sloane be like, it makes Sloane very cunning. Like, she puts on her jacket. She's ready to go. And then when the nurse tells her, she still seems so genuinely, like, shocked and like, what? Yeah. No. And you know, I was like, like, oh, oh, okay. I, this this, this group of friends makes more sense now because Sloane is like yes. that. She is so smart. Like, the scene when they're at the baseball game, like, if you look, it seems like she's, like, doing homework while they're, like, watching the game. Like, she's still doing schoolwork because she is very smart. And, like, they're looking at art. And they, like, when Cameron has a breakdown, she's, like, trying to get him back together and, like, very caring and, like, a really good character. (laughs) Sweet Cameron. Um, yeah. And then I really like Ferris. I've seen a lot of, like, criticism of Ferris as a character, of how he's, like, the epitome of white male privilege, which, like, he kind of is. He gets away with a lot because he feels no social fear. Um, No. But I really like Ferris, and it's, again, that inherent Matthew Broderick likability factor. I don't think anyone else could have played this role. Like, I, I don't think all. so. Like, I, w- when we did the live reading, um, Ferris was read by Cameron Monaghan, Monaghan uh, from Shameless. And, mm. I mean, he was fine, but I was like, Matthew Broderick gets it. <laughs> well, someone else was offered the role first. Oh, okay, I don't know who. Um, Anthony Michael Hall was offered the oh! position. Position, the role. <laughs> Interesting. And then I wrote down three other people that apparently were 
like thought to didn't get offered or anything, but were like thought about for the role. Wasn't Anthony and Michael these, turned it down? These range drastically. Okay. Um, Michael J. Fox could have probably done it. Jim Carrey, no, or Tom Cruise, no, <laughs> no. Like okay, Michael J. Fox could have. Wait, when did Back to the Future come out? I feel like Back to the Future came out in '85. So like Michael J. Fox couldn't have done that and Ferris Bueller. He's better as Marty McFly. Tom yeah. Cruise, even before we knew <laughs> that Tom Cruise is an evil man, Tom Cruise is like yeah. is at his best when he plays like a slimy character who wants to be better. Mm. Which like mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller. I mean, you can criticize his actions, but he's not doing anything with malice. No. Well, that's the thing. Like, when I was watching the movie, I was, like, writing down. I was like, oh, like, he's kind of a jerk. Or why is he, like, he actually doesn't care about Cameron. He just wants him for a car. And then as it's going, legit my idea and opinion of who Ferris is changes throughout the film. And it makes me realize, like, Cameron is clearly suffering or clearly lives with depression and anxiety. And he lives in a toxic home Mm -hmm. and clearly like he needs help and ferris is like you think like ferris bueller is doing this to like i want to have a great day whatever and then you start to look into the light of he's trying to give his best friend a good day a perfect and like the whole quote of like life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it it's almost like he's saying that to cameron of being like you gotta live life right i also saw a terrible fan theory where it's like ferris's and sloan are actually just like projections of cameron's mind and i was like shut up i don't care (laughs) um yeah because like i again i was like like ferris dial it back cameron doesn't want you to use the car the car does stress me out a lot Uh, i was like ferris back it up but then like you see these moments of like Cameron is playing along and having fun playing along. Like, he... And he says at the end, like, I would have stopped you if I didn't want you to. And it's one of those things where, like, you watch it and you're like, Ferris is really pushing him to take the car out. And, like... Yeah. Not that, like... But anyways, but it's just, like... I'm like, you can't look at... They even say they've been best friends since they were 10 years old. They've been best friends Mm -hmm. for, like, eight years since they were so little. And it's just, like, that... French that the the length of that friendship is so felt and like they know each other's responses they know what they can push yeah. each other to do they know when to tap out and it's one of those things where it's yeah. like there's all that history there so maybe Ferris behaves kind of shittily but like it's it's based on an eight year friendship and eight years of like goodwill and care and love like you can look at it as like Ferris gives Cameron a glimpse of what life could be like Mm -hmm. and then Cameron gives Ferris a glimpse of like restraint and real like like epiphanies of being like this is also what life is and kind of like he doesn't like go right away he's like I'm gonna go and do this and like I'm gonna help you he like calls him out he's like how you hit me though yeah that hurt you hit me (laughs) (laughs) like Um, apologize is so good so like my main note my main note was I love Cameron Fry my sweet boy (laughs) right like and the thing like with their dynamic they were friends before the film they were on a broadway play together oh 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 you're talking about like them 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 like matthew broderick (laughs) yeah (laughs) so they were already friends and so like that chemistry like was already there like they know how to make each other laugh and they know like it's good and like even though like alan is like is older than matthew um but 
they still have this like fun youthful energy as friends together i feel like the character arc of cameron like the end when he's like smashing the car and he has this like monologue when he's talking about like i'm gonna take a stand and i'm gonna defend it and he's not gonna watch things that like affect his life go by and not stand up for himself and i'm like yes yes sir yes take a stand against him I am not going to sit on my ass as the events that affect me unfold to determine the course of my life. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to defend it. Right or wrong, I'm going to defend it. I'm so sick of this shit. Like, because I only had this, like, pop culture knowledge of Ferris Bueller, I was yes. ready to be like, fuck Ferris Bueller, fuck that guy, <laughs> ruining his sister's life and his best friend's life, because I knew what happened to the car going in. Yes. And then, but then I was just like, oh no, and like, okay, back to no one in this movie is straight. Like, Cameron is gay. Cameron is yeah. gay. Maybe not in love with Ferris, but, like, Cameron is gay. And Cameron also will, like, maybe has already figured this out, but, like, is, anyways, but, like, is in such an unhappy place. Cameron is, I'm just gonna keep saying those words. Cameron's gay. Um, <laughs> and then I feel like Ferris is bi, or pan, or something, but he hasn't realized it yet, and might not realize it, I think, for a long while, because he also likes girls. So he's, like, legit in love with Sloane. He thinks she's great. Yeah. And then it will occur to him several years later to be like, wait, wait, wait? Can, can do both things? Um, yeah. But I just, like, find Cameron an extremely compelling character, even more so as a queer character, because he's just very introspective yeah. and thoughtful and hopeful, despite, like, being caught in the grips of anxiety and fear every day of right. his life. And there's that scene in the museum that they're, like, looking at, he's looking at a painting. Sunday's in the Park and- of George! Yeah, so he's looking at it, and it keeps zooming in on this little girl, and it zooms on him, and keeps going back and forth. And I guess the idea behind that was Cameron's looking at and sees a lot of resemblance to the child as him of, like, a, a mother is holding a child, so he sees a child. And um, the closer he gets, the less you can really tell the painting. And he fears that the closer you look at him, you're not going to see anything. And I'm like, oh, damn, that's too deep. That's, that, that's a lot to take in. And he is, yeah, he, there's moments where he, like, loses, he forgets that he's depressed or that he forgets that everything could go wrong and he's just enjoying himself like at the parade he's like yes I, this is uh, the best like this i like okay one thing too that i really appreciate about this movie because i was like how much am i gonna enjoy this movie seeing it for the first time having heard the entire script but ah. this movie is such a love letter to chicago but like it, yes. it does so in a way that it's like clearly a love letter to Chicago about Chicago, about the wonderful things you can do there and the affection people from Chicago have for it. Chicago and mm-hmm. Chicagoites? Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Um, <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> um, but it also just like made me feel like how often in the city that you live do you do the big things that people consider essential to that city? Like, yeah. One of my favorite things to do in New York is go up the Empire State Building, and I feel like a lot of people who live in New York, like, don't think about it, or 
brush it off as something that is inherently touristy, but I feel such mm. a deep sense of calm at the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. It's so, I, like, I just love how quiet it gets up there and how everyone is excited to look at things. I like, like, I've been to New York a few times, and so like, I like going at the end of my trip because then you can, like, at this mm. point, whoever you're with, like, you've been walking around that area because that's where, like, all the theaters are. And then you can yeah. be like, look, that's where we went for dinner. That's where we saw yeah. such and such. And so, but so, like, to see it in Chicago, it was just, like, really nice for these kids who live in a suburb outside of Chicago and probably go to Chicago fairly regularly doing mm-hmm. all the things that you don't do when you live somewhere. Yeah, and, like, definitely an unrealistic expectation of how much stuff would go on in the middle of a day on a work week. Baseball games do happen during the day. I will give them that. But also, baseball games are, like, three hours long. So, like, that's their whole day. (laughs) Oh, fun fact about the baseball game. They filmed, like, the in-game, like, when they're in the stadium. They filmed it during a real game. Oh, nice. Um, And it was versus the Cubs. Oh, wait, I have it written down. So it was against the Cubs and the Montreal Expos, which that just made me really sad. The Expos. (laughs) R.I.P. Expos. One day. Who won? But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's true. Like I live in a very tourist town and there are some things that I haven't done. I've never been to Cardinal Castle. To like what? Yeah. Well, we did on like the first day, but we didn't go in. Count. Remember when we did the scavenger hunt? Yeah. yeah. That doesn't count. <laughs> we, we were on the premises. I would pass Cardinal Castle a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, like, magical in a sense, this film. Like, the things that they get to do and they get to see. Like, all of a sudden, like, Ferris is, like, in the parade. Which apparently was supposed to have more choreo, but he hurt his knee during, like, the running chasing scene. So he couldn't. And the choreo was apparently. I keep saying apparently. I read it. So he, the choreo was actually choreographed by Kenny Ortega. <laughs> but it got scrapped. <laughs> what a bizarre I can't world. the layers of that. <laughs> I don't I know, like thinking about the influence Kenny Ortega's had on my entire life. <laughs> um, the parade scene just reminds me of the soundtrack of this film is so, so iconic good. and so bizarre. Like the songs like Don Quixote. I didn't or, know Don Quixote. Oh, yeah. I only knew Twist and Shout. So when he pops up and starts singing Don Quixote, and I was like, this is so nice. And like this, this one's for yeah. you, Cameron Fry. I was like... Dark as shame, darling, dark as shame. Thank you for all the joy and pain. Picture show, second balcony. Was the place we'd meet, second seat. Go down. actually appears multiple times in the film by different characters singing it, Genie but like very subtly. Yes, and um, also I think Rooney hums it a little bit, and then in the shower, Ferris Bueller also is singing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Twisted and oh yeah, like those songs are just like without this movie are would not really be the cultural impact they are. Like I had the song like the oh yeah song on my iPod in middle school, and I would like do the cool thing when I'd be like I have a bunch of movie soundtracks, and I put my headphones on someone and be like you have to guess what movie it's from because I'm a nerd. We would have been and- such good friends. <laughs> I know. We would have been so afraid to leave school that we would have just spent all our time together. <laughs> I yeah. I just love the parade scene. I love Sloane and Cameron, like, half-heartedly being like, Ferris, please come down. And then being like, actually, no, we're just going to walk around and have our little hangout time now. Like, it's really nice. 
Yeah, the the car that they it's what you mentioned before, like it made you nervous. It made me nervous too. Like apparently this car, like there was only a hundred of them actually made, like in real world. And so they only had one for like close up shots and they weren't allowed to use it on set really. So they had like mock ups that they would use <laughs> instead because like they couldn't like break something oh my God. that was oh my God. so precious. Um and like I don't know anything about cars, but even me looking at that car, I'm like, that's that's a cute car. <laughs> that car's gonna be worth even more now because of Ferris Bueller. I'm pretty sure, yeah, no, like, the replicas are being sold for a lot, too, because it's a replica from the movie that they used, and, like, so many, so much money. So, yeah, this movie has so much cultural importance. Like, it was put in with the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, um, is one of the films that they included and is being preserved because it is found like the criteria is either culturally historically or aesthetically significant so it was it's one of the films that is like preserved and the way that agency does like every every year they can come up to 25 films and put it in the registry and that film has to have been been out for at least 10 years so this film is one of them which is really exciting like there's more than 25 every year they have to do 25 but it's like significant. Um, in the before times, when I was still in my office, um, and I was bored at work. Wow, what's that like? To, I don't know. Um, but I was bored <laughs> at work, and so I was trying to teach myself like how to use Excel better. Um, so I actually mm. have an Excel spreadsheet on my work computer of that is a list of all of the movies in the like in the Library of Congress that have been under that classification, Damn. and I was keeping track of how many I'd seen. Now I need to find that spreadsheet so I can update it. Yes, hell yeah. I think, like, a lot of people around the world see this film, and they see it as, like, the epitome of youth. Like, it is, and, like, it's, it's been replicated, like, it's it's been replicated in so many teen comedies, like, even in Easy A comes to mind yeah. when she's singing in the shower with the shampoo mohawk. Yes! There is a recent, like, Domino's commercial that has the guy from Stranger Things in it, and it's pretty much a replication of him running home to get Domino's, but it's Ferris Bueller running home to, Which like, not be caught. Which guy from Stranger Things? Oh, yeah, Steve Harrington. Also my beautiful boy. <laughs> All the beautiful boys. Um, did you watch until the end of the credits? Yes. Okay, good. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, that's just fun. Like, that's not a thing that people did then. No. It's fun. And it's the exact same edit that they did in Deadpool. It's, like, the same thing. And I remember watching Deadpool and being like, I took this as Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Even, like, the beginning montage of Ferris when he is, like, getting ready and, like, he has, like, the things on, the on like, the list of, like, how to pretend to be sick. And he's like, I know it's childish, but so is high school. Or when he's playing the clarinet so badly, he's like, lesson. can you believe I've never had a room um, in my life? Like, also, oh okay, I feel like, ultimately, 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 yes. Ferris Bueller deserves that damn day off. He made a Rube Goldberg machine. He, like, he planned it yeah. so well i was like at that point you just gotta give it to your kid he's got he yeah. doesn't have school smarts but he has some other kind i don't know if they're street smarts either because ferris bueller does not have street smarts a lot of the problems they do vaguely encounter in this movie none of them like would be resolved if ferris knew how to treat service workers better um yeah like i think he is intensely charismatic and he's actually really intelligent of like making, like, the doorbell thing go, and, like, all the different phones and technology. I know, so it's, like, it's not street smarts, it's not school smarts, but it is some kind of smarts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, he's not, I wouldn't say he's necessarily wise with some of the decisions he makes, but 
he his computer like being able to like hack things like he and like the way that he works with the school like every kid knows who he is is incredible going back to the teachers sloan is in a bad boring english class but one thing that fascinated me in terms of set decorating is she's in english class and her teacher has gendered genres (laughs) uh so her teacher there's notes with like the little gender symbols um where comedy is male tragedy is female irony is both but which is now accepted as like a trans symbol so i was like oh irony is trans that's cool um and then uh my other note uh is and thinking about the extras, they have the scene where they're in the museum, and the class is all holding hands, walks by, and Ferris, Cameron, and Sloan are in the middle of it. And I was like, where are yeah. the kids who are holding their hands now? Because those kids oh, are shit. like eight, or whatever. <laughs> where are they now? Yeah. Where are they now? Oh god, anxiety of losing kids in the museum is too real. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. Also, you kind of remind me when you talk about sets, I love the wardrobe in this film that's kind of why i'm wearing this shirt is because it kind of is like a day off type shirt i'm wearing like a hawaiian style shirt because i'm like yeah i want a day off yeah it's gloomy outside it's smoky life is a nightmare but hey i want a day off Um, and it's just so classic and they use that wardrobe so well i think they only change your wardrobe once but because it's one day but they use it so diversely throughout the entire film like yeah um i love cameron's outfit I make mean, like the iconic Cameron look is the Detroit Red Wings jersey. I was like, what is their hockey team? Mm. Um, but he's also got like the t-shirt and the suspenders underneath. That's a great look, Cameron Fry. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, this movie is just so fun. It, it was is just really fun, and it's like it's just yeah. a good friendship moment. Um, Matt got nominated for. I gotta use his full name. No, Matthew please get you calling Matthew Broderick Matt. I like imagining this world where we're friends with Matthew Broderick. I was talking to Matt the other day. <laughs> um, he was nominated for a Golden Globe for this role, but he didn't win, unfortunately. Well, um, he says, and back in 2010, he says, every time fans see him, almost, he was like, almost every day someone comes to me and says, hey, Ferris, is this your day off? And he's like, because it'll I never be leave I so him. tired. <laughs> um, also, this is the 10th highest grossing film in 1986. Okay. And we're not, we're, I'm going to give you... Like, a minute, can you try to name any of the other ones? We're not going to do a whole thing, because that was an activity last time. But can you name any other films that you think would have beat that? That came out in 86? You have one minute, starting now. I don't know what came out in 86. Uh, Terminator. Uh, Risky Business. Uh, Back to the Future. No. Okay, I get a hint. (laughs) Uh, Star Wars. Um, uh, Return of the Jedi. No, not Star Wars, but a different type of thing like that. Star Trek The Voyage Home. Yes. That's number five. Was it the way home? Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, four. Um, no. Uh, 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 what came out in 86? Um, okay. Uh, Dirty Dancing. No. Um, uh, oh God. Uh, <laughs> Aliens. Yes. That was number seven. <gasps> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, 19 uh, more seconds. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. No, that came out in the 90s. Um, uh, 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 okay, stop. That's all you get. That's I all got you get. two. I got two. <laughs> you got two. That's pretty good. Uh, do you want me to just name them off quickly? Yes, please. Okay, from top to bottom. 
Top Gun. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Crocodile Dundee. Wouldn't have gotten that. Platoon. Karate mm-hmm. Kid Part 2. Mm-hmm. Star Trek by the Voyage Home. Oh, not five. Star Trek 6? What's Ivy? Four? Four. Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Six, Back to School. Seven, Aliens. Eight, The Golden Child. Nine, Ruthless People. Ten, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, Top Gun's the only one I'm really mad I didn't get. I went I went too <laughs> early in Tom Cruise's career. Um, <laughs> ruthless yes. People. I've seen Ruthless People. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> So like it did it did well. I feel like it like did pretty well at the at the box office and um all that jazz, but I think like culturally and like I wouldn't even call it a cult classic. It's just a classic. Yeah. You know, like it's It's a classic. It's, like it's not a secret. Yeah. It's not a secret that people are, are like excited to find. It's a No. It's a turn exactly. this TV if you have cable and you turn your television on on a Sunday, Ferris Bueller is playing somewhere. Exactly. Yes. They may bleep out some words because they swear a lot more in this film than I remember them because I usually watched it on TV and they would bleep it, but there is a lot. Um, I had a question for you. Yes. Do you have a favorite vignette? So, like, what's your favorite thing that they do on their day off? I do like the museum one because I feel like it's, like, a cool, like, tone shift of, mm-hmm. like, yeah, they're youth, they can go to a baseball game, they can go to a parade, all this exciting stuff, but, like, they want their it's almost like they're doing stuff that adults should do like we're gonna go to the museum and we're gonna look at fine art let's do that like so that's kind of interesting and it was a cool character development thing because you see like sloan and ferris have found like a quiet place to kind of make out and then you have cameron <laughs> having a midlife crisis and it's like a cool like cut scene type thing so <laughs> that was fun that's probably my favorite thing they do you uh, I really like when they go to the Sears Tower and look up high. Um, mm-hmm. It's very nice. Um, because yeah. I also like looking up at things and being like, look at all of those people living their lives. And they go down to the bottom where it's the stock exchange and camera. Sloan Affairs having conversation oh. and camera's just in the background mimicking <laughs> all of the stock traders. That was so funny because it's definitely me trying to understand how stocks work. I'm going to be like, oh, yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yep, just like, yep. Cameron is funny. Cameron is fine on his own. Like, he never feels like a third wheel on that day. No. Like, even when no, you say, like, they sneak out so. to make out. Cameron's just, like, doing his thing. Cameron, Cameron has been through a lot, but I, like, see those little moments of, like, even when Cameron, who's, like, been catatonic for a couple hours, dives into yeah. Sloane's pool, and then you find out he's just yes. tricking fairies. Like, Cameron is funny and also weird, and that's, like, he'll be okay. Yeah. He'll be okay. Like, even in that scene, like, he's, like, joking, but also, if you look at it deeper... He's also, because, like, he falls to the ground, and then he looks up, and it's almost like he's testing to see if they actually, like, care about him, mm-hmm. right? And, like, it's, he's like, oh, he's gonna rescue me, and he's like, oh, you're my hero. He's like, how dare you? And you see, like, Ferris is about to punch him, and be like, oh, Ferris so, but, like, Ferris... really concerned, so it's just, like, it's, yeah. it's him being like, I can be sad, but not all the time, and sometimes I can be sad and happy at the same time. Yeah, like, I can, my, in my soul, I am dive down deep in the bottom of a pool but my friend ferris is gonna come and save me from that yes so emma what is what is your overall final thoughts on ferris dealer's day off my overall thoughts are like i don't know if i will watch this again but i think like and what kept me from watching it by myself for so long is that i was always going to watch it alone and I don't think this movie is mm. meant to be watched alone. This movie is meant to be talked over. Um, this movie mm. is meant to, like, 
someone's gonna get up to go get snacks and they're gonna say do you want me to pause it and they'll say no keep going it's fine like that's what this movie mm. is at this point like this movie is one where you watch yeah. with people who you love and who you feel comfortable with and yeah when you're just like in shorts it's like i wish i could have watched this with you on a really really hot summer day god when it's just too hot to do anything um, oh, I guess, like, star chart. Yeah, I was like, I should rate it. I was like, how do you even rate it? Because, like, my instinct, and, but, like, this seems so cold in comparison, but, like, the problem with doing this regularly is, like, I feel like anything that is at, like, a four-star level has to be, as I have to love as much as all the other four stars. I feel like once you give something a number, ah. it, like, sets a precedent. Because I kind of want it to be, like, yeah. three and a half, because, like... This isn't going to be my faint favorite teen comedy. It's not yeah. one I can rewatch for myself any times. But also, I feel like three and a half is like too cold. Mm. But so I, I guess like it's like a. This is such cheat. I feel like it's three and three quarters. It's like just shy of a four star. Yeah. But like if I'd watched well, it with I, you, it would have bumped yeah. it up. It would have juiced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, I feel. Um, I. I I think that's a problem with our voting systems. Is like I was like I don't like it as much as I like this, so I'm not going to give it that. But but I liked it more than this other thing own... that I rated three and a half stars. So yeah. it's like um, I'm like, what is something? What is a fake metric I could make up right now? It is worth like three and three quarters of those. Actually, I don't even know what kind of car is like. Are those Chevy convertibles? I don't think it was a Chevy. Of those Ferraris? No, it was. I wrote it down. A Ferrari 250 GT. California spider and spider is spelled S P Y D E R. Cool. All right, a Ferrari two fifty. Two fifty. Okay, so this is a Ferrari two thirty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's still valuable, but it's not. The it's not that one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but like yeah, this would be absolutely. Simple. I'm so glad it has been preserved because it is yes. culturally and aesthetically significant. This movie is a joy to watch. Yeah. It is, oh, yeah. be- it is a beautiful to watch movie. This scene's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous to watch, which you don't always expect from, like, a teen comedy. So today's activity is I believe that everyone in 2020 deserves a day off. A day off from work, a day off from school, a day off from the disaster, a day off from the pandemic, a day off of everything. A day and off like, to just mentally rest. Exactly. So my question for you, Emma, is if you had like a day off and you had unlimited access to everything in your town, accessed like not like this has to be like only this happens at this time but everything was on everything all the festivals everything was on everything's happening you had all the money all the things um there wasn't a pandemic you didn't have to worry about like any of that type of stuff what would be your ultimate day off oh man okay so you put this to me and i thought like we were talking like a large part of it's ferris bueller's day off but ferris bueller is taking the day off to give cameron fry a day off and i was like i have yes. lived in toronto for what is really wild to me for almost three years three years in like a Bizarre. month which is wild because I yeah. two years happened and I was like whoa that's bonkers but it feels like it's been two years my problem is that because I haven't done anything for the past seven months it still feels very stuck in two year range <laughs> um, yeah. but I was like uh, uh you've never been able to come visit me in Toronto have you ever, no. ever been to Toronto okay I've been to the Toronto airport that's, <laughs> that's it still it. it's it's a good airport you know I don't mind it it's got a booster juice 
Which I guess my standards for yeah. airports are low, but it has a booster, love juice. booster juice. Frick love yeah. It. What's your what's your go to booster juice drink? The ripped berry. That used to be my favorite one. Oh. But now my favorite one is the marathon. Ooh, okay, I'll try that next time. I used to get yeah. the orange dreamsicle one and I had to stop because oh. that one's not a smoothie. That one's frozen yogurt and orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, still good. It's delicious. It tastes like a creamsicle. It has very little nutritional value. Um, uh, so, okay, one thing that you kind of, like, I I was thinking about this, so I was like, what would I do if I could have Jenny here? Limitless budget. Mm. Limit, like, t- travel was not a constraint. Because, like, I don't yes. own a car. I'm so scared to drive in Toronto. Um, but, like, streetcars, subways, buses. We wouldn't take buses. Yes. We'd be too cool for buses. But then also you just said, like, okay, everything you want to do is happening at the same time. So, like, okay, we're going to be, it's going to be September, which it is now. Okay. That's, okay. This is going to be the second weekend in September because that's the first weekend of TIFF. So we're going to wake up, but we're, like, but, like, we're not gonna, we're not going to go hard for TIFF because I, I always go hard mm. for TIFF every year. And it's exhausting. It's fun, but it's exhausting. <laughs> but we're not, we're not going to have had to worry about pre-sales. We're going to have gotten tickets to the one movie that we really wanted to see at TIFF. And it's going to be like the gala mm. premiere where they do a Q&A afterwards. And it's going to be in the Princess Elizabeth yes. with assigned seating. It's not going to be at the light box or at the HBO or anything. Mm. Okay, so we're going to wake up. You'll be in my apartment because you'll be visiting me. And we're going to go to Emma's yes. Country Kitchen for brunch. Oh, you've been telling me about this. I love Emma's Country Kitchen. I'm realizing now that maybe you would not like Emma's Country Kitchen as much as I do, because one of the things I love most about it is it's bacon, because they cure their own bacon. I eat bacon? You do eat bacon? Okay, good. I couldn't remember if you ate bacon or not. Yeah, I, do, I can't eat beef. Okay. So you eat bacon. Okay, perfect. They bacon cure their own good. bacon. It's the best bacon I've ever had in my entire life. Ooh. They make scones. They make gourmet donuts. They do excellent hash browns. They do their eggs perfectly. They have, do fresh juices. So we go to Emma's Country Kitchen. We get a table right away. Unheard of. Mm. <laughs> we get a table right away. And then we go to, we're like feeling like a little full after breakfast. So then we go to our TIFF screening because they're doing an afternoon screening mm. at TIFF. But before we get there, because it's like we have like a late breakfast and then our screening's going to be at like two o'clock. I guess they usually do their gala screenings at eight o'clock, but it's, I'm making this up. So in this world, do it, they're, doing, do it, yeah. they're doing a gala screening at like two. So we go, but in the first weekend in TIFF, they shut down that portion of King Street which is one of the biggest oh. streets, busiest streets in Toronto. And they shut down the block that's like right in front of the, bell, the TIFF Bell light box. And the, all of the sponsors have booths that give away free stuff. Oh. And there's normally huge lines. But we've got the Ferris Bueller trickster magic. So there's no lines for us. Mm. We get the free lipsticks from L'Oreal. We get free cocktails. We get food from the food trucks. And we just wander around and we do all the photo ops. Um, we maybe catch some red carpets. We somehow end up on a red carpet. <laughs> Just by accident with that Ferris Bueller magic. Ooh. Then we go to, the, then we go to the theater and we're not on the floor, but like we're gonna go to the I think Princess Elizabeth or Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, and we're gonna be in the balcony. We're gonna be right on the on the like the mezzanine, looking over. There's gonna be a Q and A. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a really good time. And then we wander out and then we go to a baseball game because I love the oh. Blue Jays. Yes, and I you love do. baseball. And I would let you pick. Do you want to go up close, or do you want to go in the cheap seats? The cheap seats are, like, fine, because it's, like, if it's a nice day, they get, like, really, really hot. And then the close mm. seats are fine, because you're close. So it's, like, it depends. And we get ice cream, mm. and we eat it out of the little... When you get soft serve, you get soft serve in a cone, or soft serve in a souvenir cup. And the souvenir cup is a little mini baseball hat. 
it's plastic. Uh, this no little way. mini baseball hat. We I get want the, the cup. We get the little hats I and we eat our ice cup. cream and we get hot dogs and popcorn. Uh, yeah. A lot of this I'm realizing is food centric. <laughs> that is um, okay with me. Yeah. And then uh, we just wander around. So maybe we go to the distillery district, which is uh, where the mm-hmm. chocolate shop I used to work at is. And we get some chocolate yeah. and maybe we get some gelato. We're eating a lot today. We get oh. some gelato there. We wander That's around okay. the distillery district. Yeah. They always have cool sculptures up. So we take some really cool sculpture pictures. <gasps> um, maybe there'll be some buskers. It'll be nice. The distillery district is just very peaceful to wander through. Um, and this is actually just, like, really funny, because I was thinking about it, and I was like, there's some other things that, like, if you came to Toronto for, like, a week, I'd be like, oh, let's go to the ROM, which is the Royal Ontario Museum, but I'm like, we don't need to go to that mm. on our perfect day, you see enough of museums, and, like, the, <laughs> the AGO, we could have that Ferris Bueller moment, I love the AGO, but we're not going to the AGO today, because we're doing things, mm. but the main thing is that, like, I would get to spend the day with you, and that would make yeah. it a perfect day. Uh... Um... And then we would go to Stormcrow, which is the nerd-ass bar, yes! which I know they have one in Vancouver. Yes! And, like, I, I've i been to Stormcrow several times, and I feel like once you trial the novelty cocktails and you, like, see all the rooms, you're kind of, like, over it. But I still love Stormcrow, and I would want to go just for the first time with you. We would get all the cocktails. We would get the food. We would play some board games. And then, oh, my God! I'm fitting such a thing. And then we go to the arcade. Then we go to Tilt, which is on Dundas West. And um, you just have to pay a cover, um, and then you get unlimited plays. You get unlimited yes. plays, and they have lots of tasty things on tap. Um, and we would just play a ton of pinball, and then we would go into, like, they have, like, a little dark side room where the basketball game is. And there's always a line for it, oh. but there wouldn't be a line for us. And then we would play skee-ball, yes. and we would play, they don't have whack-a-mole, they have whack-a-gator, oh. and there's no mallet. You have to play it with your hands, and I'm really oh, good I at it. Oh, I love that game. I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we would go to the arcade, and we would go to baseball, and we would go to a TIFF movie, and we would go to, the, like, the TIFF festival on yeah. King, and we would go to Emma's Country Kitchen, and... Like, this is the thing, I'm like, there's so much good food I want to take you to. And then, um, we would go, and then we would go back towards my apartment, and we would walk down to Lake Ontario, and we would be so full and tired and hot from spending the day all out in the sun. And so we would walk by the lake, and it would be, like, a little chilly, because it's always colder when you're by the water. Oh. And then we would go home, and we would sleep very, very well that night, because we'd be very tired and full. Damn it, you're, oh, I love you so much. You're a woman that knows how to get to my heart. I'm like, Man, that sounds like a perfect day. <laughs> we're going to watch sports. <laughs> we're going to watch movies. We're going to go on a red carpet. We're going to play pinball. Yes! That's the oh, perfect day! Oh, we could day. go up the CN Tower in this perfect world, because I feel like of all the Ferris Bueller things, we have to go up high, so we would go up the CN Tower also. Yes. And I have yeah. actually lived in Toronto for three years, haven't been up the CN Tower since I was 12 and I came to Toronto for a girl guide trip but when I was 12 they had a virtual roller coaster which was like Ooh. very edgy at the time and now I feel like they're the thing but like you go on the roller coaster and then like the seats move so it's just like at Disney like with any of those SBR. rides so we would also yeah. go on that because it's still there in my mind oh that sounds like a perfect day doesn't it just it seems because like especially because I haven't been there before like I ha- it's like seems more magical and, like, exciting. And also because I'll be with you. It'd be and so that, good. That, that would be, like, because I, I wrote down a couple if you were here. <laughs> but I'm like, but you, we lived together here for a while and you know this place. So it's not as exciting. But still, it's still, like, a fun day. But tell me, paint me a word picture. I, I don't know if this is something anyone okay. else will listen to, but please paint me a word picture <laughs> of my memory. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I guess we'd wake up here in my place because... <laughs> 
<laughs> this is where I live. Um, and, whoa. Okay, so we wake up, we go to Fifth Street Bar and Grill, and we do brunch bingo. Yes! Yes, brunch music bingo. We'll do that. Um, we'll go downtown. I, I don't know how we can, I don't know how to organize it, but we'll go, we'll go to the arcade. <laughs> I already had arcade right down. <laughs> we'll go to the arcade. It's not busy at all. The one Kazars. arcade machine is there, that the Knights one, that has no line, no one cares, and I, we just play that one. All the trolls pop out, we win the high score, and it's great. <laughs> um, it also happens, because everything is happening at the same time, because <laughs> this doesn't actually happen um, all at the same time. It's 21 degrees outside, it's sunny, but it has a little bit of a breeze, so we're not too warm. Um, <laughs> um, there's the Pride Parade is happening, because the Pride Parade was cancelled this year. And also, it's Ferris Bueller, so there used to be a parade. So we go, we go to the parade. It's very fun and it's very exciting. We're in the parade. We're at the very <laughs> top, where the um, the prime seating by like where the Empress is. So it looks really nice with like the water in the background and everything. Um, then we go for high tea because we're fancy like that, and we go and we have some lovely high tea. We go to Kid Sister and get some ice cream, um, and then. The IMAX at the museum just happens to be playing one of our favorite movies as a matinee, and we go and we get perfect seats. <laughs> we either sit in the very front and it feels like we're like in like Winter Soldier or something. We're just like watching it. It's like 3D and it's like really good. And so we go and we we watch that. Um, then we get hungry again, so that we go and get Noodle Box and yeah! we, uh, <laughs> we get Noodle Box and we we walk. And we chill and like Beacon Hill, and there's a lot of really baby ducks because apparently it's springtime. Um, and then we, the Highland Games are also happening <laughs> at this time. So then we go to the Highland Games and we watch really strong people throw things really far and get really into it. And we drink like cider and beer. And then we go to um, like a cocktail bar downtown, and like that's like facing the water, and we have like a couple cocktails. And then we come home, and then we go to bed early. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect day. Oh my god, I want... Okay, the one time I went to brunch at Fifth Street, I got a lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Um, and then also the Shaft cocktail, but I would get actual brunch food this time. <laughs> that is what would be a fun day. Us, which is possible one day when we're back together in the flesh. And we win music bingo, and I know normally at Fifth Street the prize is like you get your drink, so you get your food paid for, but this time mm -hmm. we would win a soda stream and get our food paid for. <gasps> I just think that would be really neat. <laughs> that would be great. That would be fun. I would love Oh, I forgot. Before we come home, we go because it's it's nighttime and apparently it's also Christmas. <laughs> it's just because <laughs> Everyone has their Christmas lights on downtown, and we do one of the horseback carriage rides, and we, like we go around, but we pay like extra, so we can just like chill for a long time. We have Starbucks drinks, and we just like go around and like look at all like the tourist has everything is lit up because it's really pretty. Um, yeah, so apparently it is spring, summer, and winter in this <laughs> time. Yeah. 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 Uh, I also want to go like watch so pretty Groundhog Day now because I feel like Groundhog Day is like I need that <laughs> one perfect day. <laughs> We need to make it happen. Oh, one day when everything is back together, I just want to, when I feel safe to be in crowds again, when it is safe to be in crowds again. Yeah. Like my ultimate favorite day would be us at Disney, but one day 
I can't think about it. it makes me sad. <laughs> One day will happen to do it again. Gives me a tummy ache. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anywho, that's the podcast today. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. And we have a couple announcements. We do have a couple announcements. Okay, first announcement is we kind we're doing something special for October. We're going to call it Spooktober. Ooh. An original name thought up only by us. <laughs> um, so for the month of October this year, we will be releasing an episode every week. I'm excited every week. for us. I'm excited for us because yes. we had. We believe in a very specific brand of spookiness, which is not very. Uh, we <laughs> believe in things that are like, this would be scary if I were like maybe a little cartoon mouse. Um, but instead, <laughs> as I, because I'm a human being, I just find it atmospheric and cozy. Um, so. 100%. That is, that is what, what it feels like. Um, so the first Tuesday is October 6th. and October 6th, yes. So when this episode comes out, when you're hearing this episode, if you're watching it on the day it's released... Next week, there will be another episode. <laughs> it's very exciting. We're going to do a fun, spooky thing. Um, there's a couple, yes. I think, classics that I've not seen, and a couple what I hope will become new classics that Jenny hasn't seen yet. Exactly. So, um, you probably realize I'm not the biggest fan of scary stuff, um, but so this isn't going to be like horror, really, but um, it will be fun things that we think the other person should enjoy, and with the spooky season... Um, coming, it should be fun. So please look forward to that. Um, we are very excited for it. <laughs> and also our new, um, not when you listen to this, but then while um, Spooktober's coming out, we're going to be creating another um, playlist on Spotify, so there, you can look forward to that as well. The an atmospheric spooky time. Lana Del Rey's Indeed. cover of Season of the Witch will be on there. Um, oh, <laughs> um, and uh, usual announcements you can follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at HiHo Podcast H-Y-O Podcast uh, you can also email us at HiHoPodcast at gmail.com you can follow me and Jenny absolutely nowhere um, and it'll be a really great time <laughs> following us nowhere it's great um, yeah and to remember to like what you like your opinion is valid as long as it's the same as mine Da-da-da-da. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.